Hey everyone, this is Nate Green. Welcome to Two Friends Talking About Things. So on our last podcast episode, we talked a lot about optimization, specifically optimizing your life. And one thing that we covered for just a little bit was this idea of giving yourself the opportunity or the freedom to continue. And after we finished that episode, we got a lot of emails, and one of them was from a guy named Brad. And Brad wanted us to dig deeper into maybe some of the tactics and strategies that we use to give ourselves the freedom to continue. So in this podcast episode, that's exactly what we talk about. It's about 55 minutes long, full of tactics. Usually we go off on these big philosophical rants, and that's all in here too, but we really tried to dive deep into tactics and strategies. So I hope you enjoy it. And let's get right into it. The last time that we talked, we were talking about um, the idea of uh, like having the ability to continue, or I guess that was part of our larger conversation. That um, if you decide that you you know don't want to go forward, or that you hit a hardship and um, and you know start to to like feel a challenge about what you want to do, that you've got the means. To um, to allow yourself to to continue going forward, um, am I right in that? I mean, this was your like you introduced the concept, so I don't know if I'm paraphrasing it properly. I mean, I just got the concept from John Berardi, who his basic thing was related to entrepreneurship and building a business, and his whole thing was like you have to give yourself the opportunity to continue, and what that may mean is like if you have something that you're excited about that you're trying to do. So if you have a company that you're trying to build or a freelance business or whatever it is in that context, uh, you know, it sucks to just always be paycheck to paycheck flying by the seat of your pants. So how can you take stock of all, all of the things that you're doing and figure out a way to give yourself the opportunity to continue if you hit a rough spot? So mm. you, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it totally makes sense. Um, and so that leads into the the next part of this, which is that after we published that episode, we got an email from Brad who um, who was interested in the idea of, you know, he, he felt like we left a part out, which was, what do you do when you feel like you don't have the opportunity to continue? Um, and so I, I don't know how well we can speak to this because I think both of us have, have led fairly charmed lives in, in terms of, of not having a lot of real difficulties. But I do know that there, there was a point in both of our lives where we have uh, relied on the charity of others to, to continue, where we didn't have that safety net or um, any kind of crash pad, where if something had gone wrong, we would not have had the freedom to continue. We would have had to do something else. Um, so I guess if we, if we look at it that way, um, I don't know that we can talk about the mindset of not having the freedom to continue or, or anything like that. But I think instead what we can talk about is when we were first getting started and when, um, or I guess let me pose this as a question to you. When you were younger and you were just getting into fitness, you didn't have your network. You didn't have any savings. Um, you were working in a, a retail clothing shop and you know you were paycheck to paycheck. What, what were you doing? Like, how did you structure your life and, and like, what were the choices that you made that allowed you to build the freedom to continue? Hmm. I don't know if I've had the freedom to continue for a long time or not. Like, I don't know, like I'm 31 right now and I feel like it's really only been the last five years or so where I have, uh, really had that um, well, okay. So maybe then we should start with a clarification. What, what do you consider the, the freedom to continue? Mm-hmm. I think it's, I think it's dependent on what stage of life you're in. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like if you're, you know, early twenties, uh, and living with roommates or whatever, and, or if you're, I don't know, mid thirties with a family. Uh, all right. I, I guess the best way to think about this is like, my life right now is I live with Rochelle. We've been together for like eight years. Um, we have like a small apartment that we rent. We don't own a house. Um, we don't have any kids. We're not planning on having any kids. So that's another choice, I guess, that makes the freedom to continue easier, right? Because mm. we have, we both work online. So there's another thing that we've done that gives uh, us the opportunity to continue because we 
aren't beholden to like one place, right? Mm-hmm. So we can move to a place that's cheaper if we aren't making as much money. Um, yeah, I think this is going to be interesting to talk about because for me, freedom to continue means something very, like you said, I guess maybe charmed. And I know we've talked about this before. Like I'm, uh, I'm rich by world standards, right? Like I think, I think anyone that makes more than $50,000 US per year is in the top 1% of all wage earners in the entire world. Right. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's the statistic, 50,000. It's, it's in that neighborhood. It's, it's not, it's by US standards, it's not very much money. Yeah, right. so basically it's a, it's anyone an average amount of money. Pretty much anyone listening to this uh is close to or definitely in the 1% of wage earners in the entire world. Maybe that fact alone is like psychologically uh helpful because mm-hmm. you don't really think that you need to, you know, amass a ton of fortune to uh to have the freedom to continue. Yeah. But so I guess like I don't, I don't know if I'm rambling here, but it's like my where I'm at right now, my freedom to continue means am I building my skills in a way that I can still be valuable to other people and solve problems in exchange for money? That way, I can buy food. So, so, so what you're saying is that your your freedom of con- to continue isn't necessarily uh, material, but it's um, like skill based. I think it's a mindset. Um, okay. I think at the I think at the core, it's psychological. Um, like. I've been fortunate enough to have some cool experiences where I feel like I, unless I just get addicted to heroin and hit absolute rock bottom, which I don't see happening, but I guess you never fucking know. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, Like psychologically, I just, I know I'm going to be okay. Whatever okay means. I guess, I guess I'm like equating freedom to continue with like, okay. Like, will I die? No. Uh, Will I be fairly comfortable? Yes, probably. Um, especially if I uh, compare myself to people who may be doing worse than me. Then psychologically, right. I'm like, I'm actually doing pretty well. I should be grateful for what I have. Um, but to get to like a very tactical level, I think the freedom to continue for me is, am I building my skills? Am I staying you know, relevant? Meaning, um, am I getting better at the thing that I've chosen to dedicate my working hours too. So in in my case, it's writing, connecting with people, Mm. customer research, marketing strategy, et cetera. Right. Um, another thing is, and this is something that I've only had the last five years or so, even though I've been, you know, in the fitness industry for 10 plus and made decent money. Um, am I out of debt? Like, am I debt free? Mm -hmm. Um, do I have, am I investing money for the long term? But am I also, do I also have like liquid savings where I can cover six months to a year if shit hits the fan? Mm-hmm. I'm not freaking out that, uh, I'm going to have to like move right away or whatever. Right. So that's another thing. So that actually brings up, um, a really good point that I, I don't know that I've ever considered until right now. I think when I was like, I had freedom to continue when I was a kid, uh, when I was in, you know, my band years, like my late teens to my early twenties. And then I lost it for almost 10 years. And I just recently got it back. And, and it's what you just said, the freedom, the, the, you're out of debt. Um, and so I, when I was in my band, I, (laughs) I, I lived in a van. I had no, like my source of income was to, get home from a tour, get a job at Wendy's, work for two days so that I'd get a $60 paycheck and then quit and go on tour again. Like it was, all I needed was like gas money. I needed to cover my, my cell phone bill so that I could book our tour and everything else. We just winged it, but I didn't have a credit card. I didn't have any debts. I didn't have student, I didn't have student loans. I didn't have, um, I didn't own anything. I, you know, my only bill was that cell phone and it was the only necessity for me, um, for me getting by. So everything else we did was, you know, it was nice if we got it, but it, we didn't, we didn't suffer if we didn't like nobody, there were no debt collectors. There was, there was no one like pounding down our door if we didn't meet any obligations. Well, and not even, not even external forces, people pounding down your door or like the lights are going to get shut off, but you didn't have like the psychological weight of what the fuck I owe people money and I can't breathe. Absolutely. 
And so then when I got out of the band, um, I decided I was going to be an adult. And so I got, you know, my first like really serious girlfriend and we moved in together and I bought a bunch of shit on credit. And, you know, I was still where I was working in a, not minimum wage, but pretty goddamn close to minimum wage job and couldn't afford any of it. You know, I, I, uh, I built up this mountain of debt and I kept that debt until I was 29 and I never, mm-hmm. it never like occurred to me that that wasn't okay. Like I, we had conversations about this um, five years ago when you when you got out of debt, where I was like, ah, oh, whatever, everybody's in debt, it's not a big deal. And it wasn't until I got out, like I, um, you know, when I, I, I was lucky in that I was able to travel. And when you travel, it's really easy to put away money because you can't buy mm-hmm. physical shit. You know, you can't put it in a suitcase and bring it with you. So you don't end up buying an Xbox. You just okay. you talk yourself out of that purchase. And the tax but once loophole. I got out of it, well, yeah, the tax loophole was huge. Um, but even without that, like I got out of debt without spending my tax money. Um, that's, that was just extra savings, which is really nice. Um, but having the, once I got out of debt, like when I crossed that line and I paid off my last balance, everything kind of changed because now the conversation that I have isn't holy crap. I have to like my monthly bills are $900 in credit card payments plus my cell phone bill, plus my rent, plus this. Now it's just, okay, I owe rent and, and like whatever my SIM card costs and I don't have any bills after that or, you know, like things like my quarterly insurance and that kind of stuff that I have to pay up. But I don't have like, a monthly nut to cover that gets me nothing. Um, and I don't have a balance that like slowly ticks up as it accrues interest and stresses me out. And I, I'm not trying to do math to figure out like, Oh, well I need to get this thing, but I don't have that much room on my credit card and I don't want to like spend the cash cause I have to put the cash on the credit card. You, you free up so much mental overhead and that like, even before I had, I had taken the the opportunity to build up some savings after I got out of debt, I felt like I immediately had my freedom to continue again, because if shit went bad, I I knew that I could do something really like the, what's the worst that's gonna happen? I can I can move in with my parents, and like live on their couch, but I won't have any bills. Like if I gave up my cell phone and I lived on my parents' couch, like a you know like a, that's not something I want to do, and I don't think they'd be very happy about it. But I could I could eliminate all of my bills. I could have zero outgoing every month, um, and that was not an option when I had debt. I needed to come up with like at least five hundred or a thousand dollars a month to pay off my fucking credit cards. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that I I'd never really thought of it in that context, but that's absolutely true. I think the debt is a huge part of of Once- continue. And obviously like we're in a, we're in a good, we're in a good place right now. Right. And obviously some of that's because the, what we do for a living earns uh, a good income. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also obviously, you know, would didn't just happen. Like we got ourselves into that mess in the first place. And so right. we had to have like tactical ways to get out of it. And right. so obviously we're not financial experts. Um, I'm certainly not. Uh, and I feel like, I guess, I guess like, because, because I think that's such a, an important thing. Um, a couple of people that I recommend is, uh, Ramit Sethi, R-A-M-I-T-S-E-T-H-I. He has a great, mm-hmm. uh, blog. I will teach you to be rich. And, uh, even though people hate on him and I don't really like this dude, actually, he has a good book. Uh, it's called the total money makeover by Dave Ramsey. Basically it's just a step-by-step system to help you get your ass out of debt and build up a little bit of savings. Um, I'm, not religious at all. He's definitely religious. Uh, he's, I don't really jive with the shit he says other than the tactical stuff to get out of debt. I found it really helpful. Mm -hmm. So I think if people are in that situation, like what helped me was focusing on where I can cut back. So Rochelle and I looked at our, you know, monthly outgoing and we're like, okay, we're spending X amount on groceries and eating out. Let's cut that out. And we cut that by half, which was crazy at the time. Um, it, all it took was some thought and like, uh, not like keeping a strict budget, but just like analyzing where all of our money was going. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was, okay, how can I earn more money uh, for the next little bit or <laughs> I guess forever uh, Ideally, to, right? yeah, to, to put it toward this debt. Um, so mm-hmm. I just wanted to, I don't want to like get lost in this area, but I, you and I tend to have like these, um, I guess 
bigger picture kind of conversations and we never really drift into the tactical. And so no, I just wanted to give people totally a couple true. of like options. Right. Yeah. Well, and you know what? Um, so I, I feel like one of the things that happens a lot in these conversations about, about getting out of debt and it always drove me nuts. And it was one of the things that kept me from ever really focusing on it is the idea that getting out of debt needs to be a sacrifice, mm. like that you need to make cutbacks and that you need to, to do that sort of thing. I actually think that like, so to, to preface this, I didn't make any cutbacks when I got out of debt. What I did was I changed the framing around money because I've found that no matter how much money I make, I spend all of it. Mm -hmm. Um, so when I, you know, when I made $12 an hour, I lived paycheck to paycheck and I, my last day I would be scraping by. And when I was working at Copter Labs and that company was pulling in a half million dollars gross every year. I was living paycheck to paycheck and I was scraping by. And it was because if I have a pile of money, I'm going to spend it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that everybody, you know, everybody's susceptible to that in different degrees. I'm very susceptible to if I have it, I will spend it. So yep. I, I flipped that in my head. And, and what I did was uh, I took this idea. I don't remember who pioneered the term, but I know that it's it's very uh, well known. I've, I've seen Ramit uh, Sadie say it is uh, pay yourself first. And so I, I think you, maybe you turned me on to this, Nate, but um, I, I started automatically depositing from my paycheck before it ever hit my bank account into small savings accounts. So um, things like if I needed to save for taxes, that money never hits my checking account. I never see it. It goes into an account that I don't look at so that I'm never tempted to spend the money that I'm saving to pay taxes. And I have, um, I have another account that I put aside for travel that just takes out like 75 bucks a month or something and throws it into this account that I never look at. And what I found is that when I do that, I still like I run out of money by the time the next paycheck comes, but I put a bunch into savings. And so I, I didn't notice a real cutback. I just didn't find frivolous crap to spend extra money on, which is what I think I was doing before. Mm -hmm. um, and so it, it, like when I got out of debt, it didn't feel like I was having to scrimp or save or make conscious decisions. I just automated the, the responsible part of my brain and continued being irresponsible otherwise. And, you know, you ought, you course correct for where you are. Like, mm -hmm. you know, whether you make $10,000 or, or $500,000, you're going to figure out a way to spend it if you're not paying attention. Mm -hmm. And I think a couple more, just to stay on this topic for a while, because I think this is interesting territory. Um, so I, I, before we started recording, I was talking about having dinner uh, with this guy. His name's uh, Josh, Joshua Fields Milburn. And he and his friend Ryan run a website called theminimalists.com. Mm -hmm. And I don't necessarily consider myself a minimalist or whatever. I, I like, I'm, if we're going to have a label, I like the idea of like curating, right? Like I want right. to make sure that everything in my life is there for a reason and brings value uh, to me. And, um, but I feel like, and I know you just said that you didn't sacrifice at all. Um, and what's interesting is th that word sacrifice means that like, like you're doing something that you don't want to do in order to get a thing in the future. Right. Right. Um, I feel like the way that you talked about automating the responsible part of your brain is also a little bit of what like, I think Joshua and Ryan are trying to teach, uh, is like, how can you, how can you live a great life with less, less material possessions, less mm. things that require money, but then not just as a sacrifice, but how can you, that become your new base level normal, right? Like how can you switch the psychology to where all of a sudden you do need less to, to continue or less to live a good life. Mm -hmm. Um, the things that you enjoy doing don't necessarily cost a lot of money or if they do, maybe they're experiences rather than accumulated material stuff. So I felt like that was a big thing for me too, is when I started like looking at all the things in my house, uh, and saying, but do I really need this? Like, do I get value out of this? And that's when I started yeah. like curating my wardrobe and like getting down to just the essentials. I know you did kind of the same thing. Like you kind of have like a, a uniform now where you basically wear the same kind of stuff over and over and over again right and i felt like rochelle and i did that in a really big way uh over the last couple of years and that kind of like helped reset our normal and i feel like that was super important uh for saving money um mm -hmm. but it wasn't a sacrifice on our part because we're like man life actually feels better when we don't have a lot of shit and when we can be a little bit more uh mobile 
Yeah, I, I think I had a similar experience when I when I started traveling, which was to uh, get the um, get the extra stuff. Like, cause uh, cause you're so good at um, at convincing yourself that you need something or that you that you maybe will need something in the future, like just in case, right? And I I remember having like two different types of bottle openers, you know, and and like I get that you like yeah sure you need a bottle opener, but why two? Like, under what circumstances do I need a second bottle opener? There are none. But I had convinced myself for some reason that, like, this one was a specialty for this and this one was was better for everyday use because that's a thing I used to think about. Um, and I had all sorts of shit like that. I had a wine rack that had bottles. I don't like – I don't drink wine. Like, I had wine in my house specifically because sometimes people came over who liked wine. Like, I drank the whiskey. That was <laughs> that was what my rack was for, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when I started – to get ready to travel, I realized like, obviously I can only take what'll fit in my bag. And so I, I had to make hard choices about what would and would not stay. And a lot of stuff that went, I have not thought about or missed since. And a lot of it is really like practical stuff. Like I, you know, I, I rent Airbnbs and stuff. Right. And, and like, I never, I never have gone into one and thought to myself, oh man, I really wish I had this one thing that was in the back of my closet when I used to live in my own place. One thing, just to go back to the tactical thing for a minute too, um, because I'm kind of having some fun with this. So the minimalist.com is a great website, but they have something, uh, two things. One, they call it the 30-day minimalism game. And so it's basically like you try to partner up with a friend or whatever, and you go, okay, on day one, you get rid of one thing. On day two, two Mm. things. And you keep going and going. And it's basically on like day 30, it's like, okay, how can I get rid of 30 items? And it may be small items, but it gets you into that mind frame, kind of makes it like a game. Another thing that they did that I thought was pretty genius that's a bit, uh, it's, it's like kind of all or nothing, but sometimes I like the all or nothing approach, like just burn down the house and start fresh and see what happens, as they called it the packing party. And so this dude, Ryan, uh, who is you know one half of the minimalist, he uh, lived in like a three, four bedroom house in Ohio. Like both of, both of the guys, Josh and Ron, uh, Ryan had like six figure jobs running retail stores for like a huge, um, uh, telephone or mobile company. Right. Um, so they were doing really, really well, but anyway, they had this, Ryan had this huge house and he called it a packing party. So he just packed, like he was getting ready to move, just put all the shit in boxes. And then over the course of the next month, he just took out what he needed as he needed it. So I need mm-hmm. my toothbrush. I need my, these clothes. And at the end of the month, uh, you know, save a couple of like winter jackets and some shit like that. He was like, man, I don't use any of that other shit. And so then right. he just sold, sold it or donated it. Now that's a bit. That could be a bit, uh, I don't know, intimidating for people, but it's another tactical thing to do, I guess, uh, to, to, to see if you can uh, give yourself more of the opportunity to continue by just like getting rid of a lot of the stuff that you think you need or you don't really pay attention to right now. You know, I did that with, uh, with my wardrobe before I moved. I, um, I used to have like a ton, like a, literally I think I had like five dozen t-shirts um, cause I would, whenever I go to a conference, people give me t-shirts and, uh, and I had so many different pairs of pants, all these jackets, um, shoes. And I just, I kind of followed that packing party thing. I, I, I had a big closet. So I put all of my stuff on one side of the closet. And then for the next month, I would only take something out if I was going to wear it. And I would put it on the left side of the closet. And, and, um, by the time that like, I don't know, I had done laundry three times, I just, donated everything that was in the right side of the closet because I realized I didn't wear any of it. Mm-hmm. So now all I have, the only thing I own now that I don't wear every single day is uh, is my coats. And so I hold on to my winter stuff because, you know, obviously you don't need that for some some months out of the year. But otherwise, I like I own three of the same T-shirt, three of the same pair of underwear, three of the same pair of socks, two pair of shoes, and a pair of workout shorts. And I, I wear all of that every day or it's every kinda- week. It's kind of every day. (laughs) Put them all on at once. (laughs) Uh, It's kind of like a reset button almost. Like I think uh, so. All right. So far, if we're just being like a tactical recap. So basically the freedom to continue, at least for our purposes right here. Right. um, Our 
like we started to feel way better once we got out of debt. And obviously that's not just an easy thing to do, especially if people have, I don't know, a young family and mm-hmm. they have, uh, I don't know, 30 K 50 K a hundred K in debt. They have a mortgage, whatever. Um, but I feel, I feel like the resources that we gave, like Dave Ramsey's book and Ramit Sethi, it's like a good starting place, right? Yeah, we'll, to we'll have about. to put together an actual like resource thing for this one. Yeah, we will. All right, so uh, this is funny how this turned into like this tactical thing when we had no idea what the hell we were going to talk about. No, I know it, it was on. funny because when we started this, like before we started recording, we were like, oh, I don't know if we have anything to talk about on this subject. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Clearly we did. So the first thing I think, so like, obviously if you can get out of debt, I mean, get out of debt and then for me have i rochelle and i have a year's worth of living expenses in a bank account just liquid cash where we can use at any mm-hmm. time right um and that doesn't include some of the investments and things like that and um i know that probably sounds uh, for some people they're like yeah i fucking have that and more like you're you suck you should probably have more than that and then other people are like what the fuck i can never get to that it's crazy um I can only say that it took years and years to get to that point, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that's one aspect. Another thing is the minimalism thing. So not necessarily be, like having this label and becoming quote unquote a minimalist, but taking a, a look at the things that you have in your life, at least some of the material things and asking yourself like, do I, does this bring value to my life? Do I wear this? Do I use this? Whatever. Um, try something like the packing party. Um, another thing that I guess is kind of in that line it's something that I experienced on the meditation retreat that I did last year. Um, it was a 10 day silent meditation retreat where basically, um, it was run by a bunch of volunteers. And so like, I had like no say over what I ate, um, or anything like that. We woke up at like 5am meditated all day. It sounds like the most hippy dippy bullshit you could think of, but it was really interesting. Um, not just because it deepened my meditation practice, which I thought was which I I still feel is a very important part of my life, but it also allowed me to hit this reset button. And I was like, man, I don't like the only things that I really miss in here. Um, after 10 days are good conversations with people that I care about Mm. and cooking some good food. Like that's all I missed. And so when I got back out of it, I was like, man, I don't really need a lot to be happy. And I feel like most people probably can't just go drop everything and do a meditation retreat. They can. No, well, I was actually going to, I was going to say like, I think a meditation, uh, that's a little bit extreme. Um, but I did a similar thing that was, I, I, I think would be maybe a little more accessible to somebody who can't like drop everything for 10 days. I did, uh, like a long weekend with no technology. Um, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I, if you remember, I went to Alaska and when I went there, I didn't, I mean, even if I wanted to, I didn't have cell phone service. So I, I just left my cell phone off. Um, I didn't bring a computer. I, I basically like told anybody that I was working with at the time, I'm like gone, gone. Um, I am not even going to look at email. So if there's an emergency, call somebody else. And I left. And when I left, we just did, you know, what I did, I don't think matters. What, what was important was that I kind of realized that I don't need that much to get by. Like we, we'd spent a few days just kind of hanging out in the house and we cooked and we went fishing and, you know, like it, it wasn't, and it's not even stuff that I really like. Like I'm bad at fishing. I don't like doing it, but even that simple thing was still fun because I was with people I liked. Mm -hmm. And when I came back from that, it gave me kind of an anchor to that when I started feeling like I am like, Oh my God, I need to answer this email or, Oh my God, I'm, you know, I know that that guy was going to call me and I'm out at dinner, but I better keep my phone on just in case. Like this, that, that part of my brain that panics about whether or not I'm letting down a client or whether or not somebody I work with needs me got like a, a, a sanity check. Like, like if the, if the, the part of my brain that's like, oh my God, you got to be on all the time. Everybody's looking for you. Uh, you. You need to be ready to solve all the problems all the time. If that's like the devil on my shoulder, taking this this week to go be offline and to not respond to emails or take phone calls or look at text messages or look at social media, because um, I didn't use anything, you know, no Twitter, no Facebook, no anything. That became like the angel on my other shoulder that was like, everything's going to be fine. Chill out, enjoy your dinner, check it in 25 minutes. The world won't end. And until I had that experience, I don't know that I could have rationalized 
uh, well, 25 minutes without email, that like saying that out loud, it sounds crazy to ever think that I didn't think that was okay. But I, I really didn't. Like I really believed that if I got an email from a client and I didn't respond immediately, my business would crumble. My life would fall apart. I would be, you know, I'd be back to square one and having to build a new business. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was, it was like you said, it was a reset button. It, it reminded me of what, uh, what I could and couldn't do. And, and I realized that kind of spun off a little bit from the idea of the, the freedom to continue. But, um, it's, it, it's that same kind of concept. Like I, I think a lot of the freedom of continue, the freedom to continue is realizing that a lot of what we, we maybe believe we need to continue is actually not real. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the idea, cause like, uh, for example, I don't own a car anymore. Um, I don't know that I could have ever reconciled that with my 25 year old self, like not having a car. Cause I'd have a, I'd had a car since I was, when can you drive in Montana? 14. 15. Yeah, yeah. Like 14, 15 years old. I've always had a car. And then I, I finally got rid of it when I was 29, 30, something like that. Haven't had one since. Haven't missed it since. And I felt mm-hmm. fucking great because now I'm not spending a car payment plus insurance plus gas. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that went a long way toward getting me out of debt and giving me the freedom to continue. I feel like, so, I mean, obviously I talked about like the 10 day meditation retreat and then also like stuff like going on like a, uh, eight day backpack trip in the woods. Right. So mm, obviously yeah, these yeah, are very, yeah. th- these are very extreme things, but we get to like, I, I get to that point where I'm like, man, I don't, all I really miss is like conversations, cooking good food. I don't need a lot to be happy, et cetera. Right. Um, you talked about the long weekend. Another thing that I think would be really helpful for people and something that I do. Um, and I know I get made fun of all the time for this. Uh, but I, I also think that the people in my life have come to accept it. Uh, I, on my phone, um, I just don't have access to shit like that. Like I just don't have email on my Mm. phone or Facebook on my phone or Twitter on my phone. And that's not, that's not for everybody. Um, I know Jason, like you're, you seem to be fine with it, but along with like this whole digital detox thing, um, Mm. I, I'll give you a very real example. Okay, so here's a real, a real example. Um, and I know this is probably getting into more of like distraction and, and how you use your time. But I also, I think it's important in terms of like the freedom to continue, like you said, is like giving yourself uh, the ability to rec- recognize that you don't necessarily need all the things you think you need. Right. So uh, last night I was uh, getting ready to, we're, we're kind of getting ready for bed, Rochelle and I. It was like, I don't know, 1030. And I was like, oh shit. I got to like check my email really quickly and see if like this one client like okayed this project. Um, and I don't know why I fucking felt like I had to do that then, but it seemed very important at the time. So I got on my computer and I pulled up my email and then I fucking couldn't get into my email cause I forgot that earlier that week I had set this web blocking software called freedom. And so basically <laughs> other than my word processing stuff, like the things that I use to write and other than like Google drive where all my, my documents are where I'm, you know, working on stuff on my own or with clients. Um, and then a few other little websites, like I can't do shit on my computer from 6am till 3:30, and then from 6pm till 11. Meaning I only have this block of time between 3:30 and six to like do anything on the internet that I need to get done. And mm-hmm. I work on the fucking internet. Um, yeah. So anyway, I'm not trying to preach to anybody, but like that, like I had to put up these things where I didn't have to use self-control anymore. And by doing that, uh, I freed up a lot of mental energy and I got to spend my time better. Like I was pissed off last night when I couldn't check my email. And then about 30 seconds later, I realized, man, that was just impulsivity. I don't need to check anything. It'll be there for me tomorrow afternoon. I'm going to go read a book and actually get a good night's sleep and not look at a screen for half an hour. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think that was, I mean the, the screen thing. Um, well, we're, we're totally off topic now, but I, I, I stopped, uh, using my phone in bed. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I, when I get in bed at night, I, I leave my phone on a charger in another room and I, I like just read a book. Um, I'd say I don't have electronics in bed, but I, I read on a Kindle. So that's my only electronic in bed is a Kindle. Um, and that's, that's been a huge difference. 
so to get back on track then yes uh, so <laughs> all right so and just a little recap again so basically in an ideal world we're all getting out of debt we have some living expenses so we're not living paycheck to paycheck and we're mm-hmm. feeling like we're minimizing the amount of material things that we have um we're minimizing not our even attachment. not even minimizing but just realizing that you don't need all of the things yes you you only need the stuff that actually makes you happier that is actually useful so then another thing um that I know I mentioned earlier, uh, but I think is also important is I, I remember talking to Phil Caravaggio, who's the uh, CEO of precision nutrition. And this was a couple of years ago and I was really starting to like think a lot more about investing. So like, where am I putting my money mm. uh, to grow all that shit? And I asked him and I was like looking for some really tactical stuff, like, you know, put it in this and like set up an account here or whatever. And instead he said something that like kind of infuriated me, uh, <laughs> but also, was very, very, uh, intelligent and good advice. And he said, the best investment you can make in is an, is an, uh, an investment in yourself. And you can take that and make it seem like, Oh, it doesn't really mean anything or like, thanks for the hot tip slick. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) But what I came to, I think why that's such great advice is I started thinking about how can I invest in my skills um, and my network and the people that I talk to, uh, to give myself the ability to either earn more money or have more opportunities later on. And so I started like, it sounds kind of weird, but I started just writing more, like practicing writing Mm -hmm. just to get better at it. I started reading more books on strategy. I started, and I started looking at these things, not as like just in case, but like I am investing in myself by building my skills. And I feel like that's another huge component of this is like once you start taking some stuff away, what can you add that will give you value later on? Well, and and that on the nose of it or on the, the surface of it seems like it is getting away from the idea of the, the freedom to continue. But it's it's actually 100 percent on the, the topic. So I think that. um when you talk about like building your skills, building your network, nurturing any relationships that you have, um, that may not seem like it gives you all that much freedom to continue, but, but I can give uh, a very specific example of how it does. I, um, for the last year or so, a little longer have had, uh, one contract. And so once I sold Copter Labs, my agency, I took one contract and like, that was my job. That was what I did. And, um, as of July, that contract, uh, just, it reached its end. And so I needed to find a job or or find something like I needed to either pick up freelance work or get another contract, do something. And I, I sat down and I thought about it and I thought about the relationships that I had and the people that I knew. And I sent one email and now I have a job. Like I didn't have to hunt for a job. I didn't have to wonder where I could go. I didn't have to get on job boards. I just emailed a guy that I knew at IBM and I was like, hey man, so I just got out of this contract. I'm kind of looking around at what was possible. And he was like, I know you, I know your skills. I know that we need you. Why don't you come work here? And that, you know, part of that is that I've, I've spent a long time building up skills, but the, I think the more important part of that was that I had made an effort to keep up my relationship with, uh, this guy, his name's Robin. And he, like, because I had made an effort to stay in touch with him, to develop my relationship with him, and to um, and to make sure that, like, we both knew what the other was up to, when I found myself without, like, at a potential loss of the freedom to continue, my main source of income goes away, I was able to reach out to one of these relationships and see what was possible. And, and immediately, I mean, and granted, that was super lucky, like, th- that he needed somebody and that they had an opening right then. Um, but if I hadn't gotten it from Robin, I have a list of another like 15, 20 people that I would have emailed next to see like, Hey, what's going on in the world? Do you know anybody who needs somebody? And it would have worked. And I would, I never would have had to go to a, a job search site. So I think that freedom to continue is, um, you know, there's the, the, the material part of it. Do you have enough cash that you can survive for a couple months? Um, do you have the, you know, are you free from debt? Those are, are super important. Like I think that I, if I was going to org, like order these, I would say get out of debt first because you can have no skills and get out of debt and you can still survive because, you know, you can always work doing something. There's manual labor, food service, whatever, all these, you know, there are a lot of jobs you can get into. Um, 
but you, if, you know, after you get out of debt, start working on those relationships, meet people who are interested in what you're interested in, um, seek out groups of people. Uh, I know like people talk about masterminds and that's a paid way to get in with people that you're interested in. Um, Nate's approach and my approach, uh, mine was, was specifically to go to conferences. Nate, yours was, did you go to conferences or like, how did you, you I know you like kind of cornered people in the industry. you you found ways to get in rooms with them. <laughs> the way that you made that sound, it's like, I'm like in a room with them and I'm like, in the corner right now. I'm going <laughs> to annoy you for the next 20 minutes. No, I, not I'm going to annoy you. I'm going to give you a book. <laughs> yeah, that's like old school too, right? Um, oh yeah, how did I build my network? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, yeah. Because like, I, so for me, it was to, uh, to go to conferences and go to all the after hours drinks, talk to people in between sessions and, and just try to meet people. Yeah. Um, for other people, it's to pay for a mastermind and be physically placed into a room full of people who are in the same industry who are obviously, you know, doing well because they can afford a mastermind. So what was your approach? I mean, honestly, I think it was kind of like what you said is, uh, get into the room with people, like physically into the room with people. Um, Mm. so I'd go to conferences. Uh, I haven't gone to any kind of like, I don't know, writing conferences or anything like that, but I've been to a lot that are like business oriented, right? So like entrepreneurship or a ton, obviously a ton of fitness conferences. And so I feel like that's how you meet like-minded people. And if you're just open to having conversations with people, uh, you never know where they're going to lead. Like the, the clients that I work with now, um, I mean, obviously I, I've done a decent job of building up a, uh, at least a small reputation and I've worked with some really cool people. Um, but, the connections that I've made, they just start introducing me to other people, right? Like, Oh, you need, you need like this kind of, uh, you you need this done for your website or this kind of strategy done. Like I know a guy that's really, really good at that. And he worked Mm -hmm. for, you know, these two people. Um, so I think getting into the room with people, absolutely. If you can. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a good point too. Like the, the idea of, of getting, um, referrals, because, you know, you just said like you did a job for one person and then they tell somebody else and then they tell somebody else. Uh, I built my entire agency, Copter Labs, on referrals. I never advertised once. I just would get into the room. Um, you know, I built your website. You introduced me to uh, John Romanello. John Romanello introduced me to fucking everybody. And then I, I just continually met more and more people. Um, and they, you know, everybody needed work. And I, I did my best to do a good job. And they introduced me to more people. Um but you, so another, another thing that I just remembered is, uh, another great way to do it is, uh, cause conferences cost money. You got to fly to the conference and masterminds are even more expensive cause you got to fly to the mastermind and the mastermind costs like thousands of dollars. Uh, but a great way to do it if you're in a, even a medium sized city, uh, or near one is, um, to look for local meetups. So, uh, Marissa has recently been, hunting down on meetup.com and, and other, uh, avenues for that sort of, I, I don't know which one she uses, but I'll ask her and put them in the resources. Um, she goes on meetup and she looks for like tech meetups cause she's trying to, she's uh, doing user experience now. And so she, um, she goes on, she finds a meetup. They're typically free or they cost like $10 and it's people who are local who are interested in the thing that you're interested in or, or want to get into. And, they will maybe have a little presentation or a lot of times it's just an excuse to go hang out with people who are interested in what you're interested in. Mm-hmm. And it's really, really accessible. Like I've seen people who are so socially uncomfortable, like they, they, you can tell they feel like they don't belong there and they're still engaged in conversations by the end of the night. They're, you know, everybody's talking and laughing because you have shared interests. You have things to talk about, you know, the same stuff or at least some of the same stuff. And it, it makes uh, it makes it really accessible and very very inexpensive to get into a room with people who are are um, in your network or that you that should be in your network. Yeah, no, I agree completely. Um, I haven't used Meetup at all, but I'm glad Marissa's having some success with that. And I know that uh, Rochelle is also asking like friends of hers, like mm. like she has this friend Lindsay, and Lindsay runs uh, this great YouTube series called uh, sexplanations. And so Lindsay is like a doctor of uh, sexology and human sexuality, I mean. And so it's super interesting that they've been friends for years. And so now like Lindsay has a great network. So Rochelle will just flat mm-hmm. out ask her like, Hey, like this person that, you know, seems to be doing really cool stuff. Could you introduce us? And then Rochelle will take, take him out to lunch or something. So she's done mm-hmm. that a couple of times in the last, the last month or so. And it's been really cool. Yeah. Um, one, 
kind of want to wrap up a little bit, yeah. but one thing, but one thing that I think maybe it's two things and we'll try to end it on this. And we talked about like, if you were going to like organize it, maybe like get out of debt first, mm-hmm. uh, maybe at the same time, like figure out some kind of way to do some kind of digital detox or get away from or, things that you think you need or minimize some or of the at stuff least that ref- you have. Yeah. Just reflect on what you don't need. Absolutely. Like what, what, what's, what's required to get by and what you could probably do without. Well, I think there's, I think there's two other things that I want to add on. And these are like, I guess more, I don't know, higher level kind of things. Um, like if, if, if get out of debt is super tactical, this is like not necessarily tactical. Mm-hmm. Um, and they kind of go together, but I feel like it's really important. Like we, we keep talking about like this freedom to continue or opportunity to continue. And I think it like, it's really important that we define the kind of words that we're using. Right. And so mm-hmm. one word that we haven't really used at all, but is implied in, in the, this conversation is the word success or the word happy or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so what does that mean to you? Because I think once you really get clear on what success means for you in your life, uh, like for me, it's being debt free, having money in the bank, having good people around me that I care about, cooking good food and taking care of myself, getting out into nature. Like I, I, like if you ask me what success is, I have like bullet points of what they mean to me, mm-hmm. uh, based on my experience and what I'm trying to a- accomplish. Right. But if you were to ask me, I don't know, 10 years ago or even five years ago, like what does success mean? It's like making a million dollars and having that in the bank and doing all this other crazy shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like it's super important to, uh, define that for yourself because if you get really clear and honest about it, you may realize that maybe you do think it's a million dollars in the bank. And if so, more power to you, go earn it. But well, you may find that, well, you, lot, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It, well, and also I think it's really important that while you're defining it, that you, you make an effort to revisit that decision. Yes. Because like you said, you know, five years ago, it would have been a million dollars in the bank and now it's not, nowhere near that. Five years from now, it may be something completely different, right? Exactly. And it may not, even, it may not be like, we just said monetary stuff, like a million dollars. Like some, I mean, success may not even be fucking how much money it may be like if I, as long as I'm like able to put food on the table and not like freak out, like I'm fine. No, I mean, and in very real, like very real terms right now, one of my definitions of success is that when I get down to Austin, that I actually am able to make the time to learn guitar. Cause like I haven't played guitar in years because I, I sold it when I started traveling and I it, like, I miss it. So mm-hmm. success for me now is using the freedom that I'll have with this job, uh, and with being in one place to own an instrument and take lessons to like improve at it again. And I think just to, uh, one, that's great to hear because I thought you were a, a good musician. So I'm stoked that you're going to do that again. Um, Thank you. you're welcome. <laughs> I just said that for your ego. No, uh, it, made, it made me feel great. I appreciate but it. I guess one other thing that I want to end on, um, or at least maybe we can try to end on, but it has been super powerful for me and I still fall into it. Um, and it's comparing myself to other people who I assume, based on what I see are doing quote unquote better than me or going, this person has X, Y, Z. They, that seems really fucking cool. Mm. Um, I want to earn that too. I look at my life as it currently is. I don't have any of that stuff. Therefore I feel bad about myself. Mm. Um, it's something I've gotten way better at over the last five years or so. But I remember looking like following different people on Twitter or looking at their life and being like, man, they seem to have it all made. Like they have it figured out. Right. Yeah. And a couple of things happened. One, I started to meet some of these people that I looked up to and I realized that, you know, while they're cool in their own right, or maybe they're not cool and they're total dicks, um, which has happened a couple of times too. Um, you never know the full story. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I know I remember looking at some of these people and being like, man, like they're traveling all the time. They make a lot of money. They know all these other cool, influential people. Their life must be great. And then you meet them and you realize they're in debt or they like are so fucking busy that they have no time for anything. And they, they have like a family at home that they never see. And so I just, I just started, I just wanted to bring that up because it's something that I still find myself falling into every now and then, because I feel like I, I look at writers or entrepreneurs or thinkers and I, I I inadvertently just compare myself to them and it's not always doing myself a service. And so I have to be aware of that when it happens and realize I have no idea what the fuck is going on in their life. Um, and to come back to what success means for me. 
Yeah. I mean, that's like the idea of like the grass being greener, I think is such a huge, like such a huge thing because I mean, obviously anything that you're not intimately familiar with is going to seem less complicated. And, and, you know, if it's got upsides, it's going to seem better. So, um, you know, like you said, I mean, probably the easiest example would be like in relationships, you know, you, you date somebody for a couple of years and you learn all of their, their quirks and, 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 you know, the things they do that annoy you and the things they do that you like. And, and then you meet somebody else and you know them for like four minutes and they're really funny and your brain starts going like, Hey, this person seems pretty cool. And you don't consider any of the, the shit that like would inevitably come. Like, of course they've got quirks. Of course they're normal people. And so what, you know, when I was younger, I wasn't able to turn off that like grass is greener part of my brain. And so I would think, well, this person will be the one who finally doesn't have any quirks and makes me happy forever, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Always. And, and, and like, as I've gotten older, you know, you just, and I, like, I've done this with careers. I've done this with, uh, with relationships. I've done this with everything, like, ba- basically everything in my life, but just realizing that like this irrational part of my brain is always going to look at something new. And because it's new, it's going to try to convince me that it's better. Or, or if I see something that's different than what I have, that, that has the appearance of being better, like more money, I'm going to completely gloss over any of the downsides. So I've, I've made an effort to um to train myself to like try to think through what the complications are of something else um and i don't do it very well all the time i I think sometimes i do um where you look at like like oh man wouldn't it be cool if you owned this like online store like this guy does and you made like millions of dollars and had all these employees and then i'm like no that would be terrible you got to like deal with the employees uh like salaries and and booking these big and these plans you got to have a lease on a big building for the office space you got to deal with inventory like that sounds terrible i don't want to do any of that and then i don't want it anymore (laughs) and so you know i like have these business ideas and then i think through all the implications of what it would of what it would mean and i'm like oh gross no i just i would rather not have to do with anything like that yeah no i agree completely yeah um okay so we're we're shit we've been talking for almost an hour yeah uh hey but i think this was good though I, I really enjoyed this one. I'm I'm glad that we did it. I mean, we almost didn't pull the trigger because we thought that it wouldn't be we wouldn't have enough to talk about. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm glad that I'm glad we did. Uh, any parting thoughts? Do you want to try to recap it? So what our order, <laughs> but in one in one sentence each. No no clarifiers. All right. So so one get out of debt. Yep. Two. Realize that you don't need all the stuff that you might think you need. Yep. Three, focus on growing your network because that's one of the best assets you can have. And also your skill set. Yes, network and skill set. Fuck, now we got clarifiers. Uh, (laughs) Four, what was four? (laughs) I don't remember. (laughs) It was Um, uh, define success for yourself. Yes, define success. Realize when you're comparing yourself to other people. Yes. Yes. There may have been more or less. No, I think that was it. I think that was everything. Um, if we're wrong, send us an email and let us know. Uh, don't, okay. don't do that. Um, <laughs> we got we to gotta call it. I'm going to wander off. <laughs> uh, this is a good one, man. I, I enjoyed it. Let's, uh, let's do this again soon because I, I wanted to talk to you. I think at our next one, I want to talk about uh, the inversion that we've seen in our, our professional lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that'll be an interesting talk. So uh, let's do that soon. All right, man. It was good talking to you. Yeah, talk to you soon. Bye.